On this episode of Whale Cave, Ed Salazar makes a personal connection with Iggy Pop, Matt Belknap pretends to hate new kids on the block, and host Matt Price can't stop making mix CDs. Whale Cave starts now. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Whale Cave. My name's Matt Price. That was a, wow. Just turn that right off. <laughs> that was uh, Lust for Life by Iggy Pop. That's a little foreshadowing, folks, because uh, guests coming on later, Ed Salazar is going to talk a little Iggy Pop. That's what we do in radio and podcasting. Well, that's called a tease, everybody. If you're listening, I like to educate, tell people what the biz is all about. It's called a tease. Folks, thanks for listening to Whale Cave, where people come on and tell stories about music-related things. Like I said, Ed Salazar will be here. Matt Belknap often calls himself the producer of the show. I like when he does that. He's going to tell a story, too. Very excited. Um, folks, I've had a little bit of a break from Whale Cave. I've had a couple emails saying, hey, man. Or I'm reading him in that voice. Hey, man, where have you been? Uh, it's been about a month, and uh, I apologize for that. Work's been pretty busy, been performing more, and frankly, the show is supposed to always be a monthly show, and I think... Hold on to your hats. I think that's what it's going to go back to. A monthly show. And uh, I appreciate everybody listening to it and, and wondering about it, wondering where it is, because that, that, that means a lot to me. But I think that's what we're going to go back to. So uh, I hope uh, keep listening, keep enjoying it. I know I've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, if you have a, a, a question, a story, anything, if, you're, if you have a complaint about that new format, that new schedule, email me, matt at whalecave.com, or uh, at whalecave is the Twitter Twitter handle. Okay. So speaking of stories about music, uh, my thing that happened since the last show, a lot's happened in the world of music. First of all, Yeezus, man, I still have a headache from listening to Yeezus. Jeesh. What's going on, Kanye? Kanye had a baby and released an album that's like, I hate everybody. I've got, seriously, I have a Yeezus headache. That's what I call it now. If I have a really bad headache, I have a Yeezus. Okay. But in, uh, in other news, uh, I've talked about my obsession with making mixes on Spotify and stuff. And I still, I still make mix CDs for people if asked, and I get more obsessed with those because you can't change those willy-nilly like on Spotify. You got to really perfect them. So I got myself in another rabbit hole over the weekend because I was singing Peace Frog in my office. I work at the Cartoon Network, and at the Cartoon Network, they don't really, it's kind of lofty. Most offices don't have ceilings, so I'm singing Peace Frog. Uh, and someone heard me, uh, my friend Mike heard me and he said how much he hated the doors, which started this sort of inter-office conversation about the doors. I, I don't even love the doors, but I of course took the love side. Bless you. Ed. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't even love them, but Mike hates them. And so he goes, why don't you make me a mix CD? And I said, uh, well that, sure, that won't be too hard. I'm making the mix CD and I realized yeah, the doors aren't that great. They're not the best because it doesn't take long to make the mix CD. It's like you put on kind of their six, seven good songs and then some other songs I kind of like. Anyway, what happened was then I'm singing, I'm giving the CD and later I'm singing another song in the office. I'm singing Prince. I'm singing I'll Never Take the Place of Your Man, right? Walking around. And uh, the creator of the show says, hey man, sing some Prince. By the way, I should say, side note, I've been scolded at jobs before for singing. I worked when I worked at Baskin Robbins. 
I was scolded. I was singing a. What was I singing? <laughs> I was. A, I want to say I was singing a do 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 and scooping, but I think that's because I'm visualizing. That's a good song to scoop ice cream to at Baskin Robbins. But I think I was too old to be working at. Ba- not that you have to be a certain age to work at Baskin Robbins, but I don't think. Anyway, my point is, I was scooping, and this girl said, uh, "Oh my God, you sing all the time." Like she was holding it in. She'd been waiting to say that for for months to little Matt Price. So then I sang just under my breath, just scooping like do 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 just very angrily. But I never I never stopped singing at my job. Anyway, singing at the Cartoon Network and my at this Prince song and the creator of the show hears it and he's like, Hey man, that's Prince, right? And I'm like, Yeah, but that's like one of his most popular songs and he's like, Oh, I don't know anything about Prince and I'm like, Say what? And he knows I just gave this mix C D to Mike. So he says, why don't you make me a Prince mix CD? Well, this is a huge problem because I love, like, Prince, Prince is my jam. I love Prince. And so that making that CD is, the doors is easy. It's like Light My Fire, Little Peace Frog, whatever. Prince is like, you could go in a million directions. You can make, like, you can make the hits. You could go funk. You could do, like, a sexy slow jam, which I'm not going to do. That'd be kind of weird <laughs> to get anybody at this point, <laughs> you know, a sexy slow jam makeup, especially my boss. It's like, oh, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe I should have done that. A little sexy slow jam. But anyway, I didn't. So I spent so much time making it. And I, as I've said before with making Spotify mixes, I just don't have time to, like, I literally am obsessed. Like, I'm not, now I stop work. I'm on, I'm on my iTunes. I'm, like, cultivating, curating this great mix or what I think is great. I spend days on this thing. I've got a family, a job. I've got responsibilities, everybody. I can't spend two hours deciding if leaving off Kiss is blasphemy. I can't. But I did leave it off because that's just not one of my favorites. I've only got an hour and 12 minutes on this thing. Ed's shrugging. I can't tell if he wants. We'll talk about it in a second. But anyway, I gave him the mix CD, right? After literally five days of working on it. And I haven't heard. (laughs) Haven't heard if he likes it. And now I'm like waiting for the call. Like you wait for an audition. Someone to call you and be like, oh, you got it. It's just now, and the longer it takes, the longer I'm like, oh, he didn't like it. I couldn't convert him to the cult of Prince. But uh, the the uh, other the side note is to uh, the the end of the story is that uh, my friend got back from about the door CD immediately and <laughs> told me he's like, uh, yeah, don't like the doors. <laughs> doors aren't great. Peace Frog by the Doors. See, you got a mic, my coworker. That's a good song. I'm sorry. If you don't like the Doors, that's still a good song. Peace Frog by the Doors. You can't disagree. There's no disagreement. Um, all right, everybody. Uh, first guest today, I, I met him doing a show called Hollywood Hell House here in Los Angeles. He is a one of the producers of Meltdown Comedy here in LA, right? Would you say producers? You work. You say work, work on the on show. That. I work on Okay, I, great. Yeah, yeah. He's saying he, I work on it. He's just clarifying. I'm humble. I'm humble. He's humbly working on it. Meltdown Comedy here in LA, which is going to be uh, start shooting uh, on Comedy Central. It's going to be doing some episodes for Comedy Central in February, I think. That's awesome. Shoot it. That's congrats to that. And he's uh, he plays clubs and colleges around town. <laughs> Ed Salazar. Hey, everybody. Thanks thank for being for, here, man. Thank you for having me. Like, I can't believe. This is like th- my favorite thing to do. Talk about music, honestly. Like, do this all day. I love it. 
Yeah. It's pretty much awesome. Well, I'm, yeah, I know you have a lot of music stories to tell. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny. So tell them all, go. <laughs> go. It, you, I actually got fired from my one of my college jobs listening to Prince. <laughs> Uh, and I got in trouble because I used to be in the mail room at First National Bank of Omaha, uh, del- and I would deliver mail. And uh, it, I was like, I think seventeen or eighteen, and I would sing a lot. My my coworker was a huge Prince fan, so I was often singing Prince. And one day, like, they our mail room was sort of a sealed room, and we were sitting there with sunglasses on, laying down on tables, and listening to. Uh, let's go crazy and just like laying there and a woman came in and screamed like as if we were naked or something. And, uh, were you or no? I, no, I wasn't okay. emotionally. I was, I mean, Prince will strip you of your hard shell and, uh, I agree. And I get called into the office the next day and they're like, we, you, you sing all the time at work and you were listening to Prince and you're in your room. And I was like, yeah, what's wrong with that? And like, uh, we think we're going to have to let you go. This is not professional behavior. <laughs> and I was like, Ugh, you could have at least used like a Prince pun to fire me. Like, right. Yeah. We're going to ask you to get off or something like, yeah, but they did nothing. No class. At all. You are not a sexy motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just give me something. You can even use his jazz era stuff if you want. <laughs> No one uses that. No, no one listens to North, South, East, and West. Oh, I'm so glad that. Well, I feel like we are uh, getting closer because I also I am. Well, I mean, are you a huge Prince fan, or was it just a moment of in like you know? I I I love Prince. I would I always hesitate to say like I'm a huge fan of anybody, especially nowadays because like you'll say that and then you'll reference something and then someone will be like, you don't know what you're talking. Like, I'll be like, I'm like, he, I love his stuff that comes out of Argyle park. And then someone's like, it's Paisley. And then you have to deal with right. angry statements. So, but I am a big fan. I do. There's no judgments at whale cave. Oh, thank you, you can say you're a huge fan. I play guitar. Like, I think he's got a really amazing, like so- sound and style of playing guitar. He's, in some ways he's very underrated. Totally underrated guitar player. Yeah. Never he's, talked about in the, in the upper echelon of guitar players. Well, you've seen the G- Dicar- the, the Guitar Gently Weeps mm-hmm. video, right? If, if anyone who's out there who hasn't seen this, go look at Prince playing Guitar Gently Weeps. And it's not a complicated solo, but he's got such amazing style and, yeah. and personality in the way he plays guitar. There's, it's the, he's like the opposite of John Mayer, basically. <laughs> you know, like he has emotion in, in heart. Slamming mayor already, bros. Man. I don't care. I bring it to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, no. Well, okay. If you got to slam mayor at least one time. <laughs> yeah. We um, had uh, Taylor Swift on and she really. Oh, man. Did she write? She wrote three songs about him probably during the podcast. <laughs> Tay Tay let it out. <laughs> She's always on the show. Oh, my gosh. Um, awesome. All right. Well, look, Prince. I'm t- that- I don't understand why they. Uh, what bank was that? Mutual of Omaha? First National Bank of Omaha. Okay. Largest distributor of Visa cards at the time. Well, let's all boycott them, everybody, because <laughs> of that moment. No, don't. I'm kidding. But do. They're great. Or do. Or do. Make your own choice, everybody. <laughs> all right. Well, we were playing a tease, Diggy Pop, because you heard it's a tease in radio podcasting. I mean, I'm not in the industry, so I'm going to... Oh, okay. Yeah. That. Well, it was basically what I did was I just sort of... Uh, it was like a... Not a spoiler alert... Was I guess the opposite? Wet the whistle. You wet the whistle. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's the, when you used to scoop ice cream and you give them the tiny spoon, 
Boom. It was a sample. It was a sample spoon of Iggy Pop. It was a little pink spoon of Iggy Pop. <laughs> I played the most popular Iggy Pop song. Yeah, which which is appropriate because that's kind of... My Iggy Pop story is basically because of that song. Like, oh, I didn't even know that. Well, okay. Should I just go into it? Yeah. Uh, okay, so this is sort of after Train Spotting came out. And that song got Huge. Iggy Pop back mm-hmm. into like the out of sort of the periphery of music and into the mainstream again even though it was like this real thin slice of who iggy pop was i don't even remember like any anyone talking about the stooges it was just that sort of like bowie era iggy pop stuff Mm kind of came back out uh like real wild one stuff like that and so i used to live in nebraska that's where i was raised and uh nebraska is in the middle of nowhere really it's out of the way for everything and so iggy pop came to nebraska to do a concert which is sounds really exciting right like you're you're in nebraska you rarely get like seminal punk musicians showing up and playing your state and so it sounds really exciting except for it was a terrible thing in a way uh because it was the post Nirvana era grunge sort of thing that was right. going on. And it was all these one hit wonders. So it's like 21 hit wonder bands, right? <laughs> like uh, Seven Mary Three and Spoon and like uh, who's the one, the guys who sing like down, 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 down. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know, but Shine Down on Me or whatever, which is yeah. the worst song. Oh, oh let your love shine. Yeah, that's that wasn't Collective Soul. No, 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 Collective Soul is pretty good. They had a couple, like, they had like, yeah, Collective Soul is like a replacement. I could make a rip off band, a mix CD of Collective Soul. I think you could too. Yeah, they were, they are actually a decent, well respected Midwest sort of replacement right. band, but like th- those bands, these bands are all bands who. Five years earlier, we're doing songs that sound like Motley Crue, and then the moment Nirvana came out and Pearl Jam came out, they started doing like change grunge, yeah, right. And then Creed mastered all of that and sold it to everybody, right. So, uh, <laughs> so like it sounds. Oh, Creed. My friend Brett and I were both both loved to eat pop and we're excited about this, and it's you know like I said, like it sounds like don't go to this thing. You're already setting it up to be bad. There was also one, uh, Reverend Horton heat because also swingers was out at the <laughs> time and everyone was like, uh, you know, chain wallets and fedoras and stuff like that. Now yeah. everyone's fedoras again, but for a totally different reason. Yeah. Uh, all those people are balding. So they have to wear <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the sun. Now it's dad doors. <laughs> they are dad door. Are they called that? We should make that. That's amazing. Belknap, can you get, can you copyright that for us, please? <laughs> he's, he's, Matt, Matt Belknap's on uh, patent.gov. He's on the ones. Uh, so, you know, it, I I always felt like if some if a band someone like that comes to town, I have to go and support it because you want to believe that it means that they'll come back again. Also, like wh- like I got to see Fugazi would come mm-hmm. every four years Fugazi would come basically every other tour they would come through for the Olympics for, for the Olympics they always that explains the torch yeah. <laughs> exactly I never knew yeah and uh, the rings I went and saw Fugazi at the Lincoln State Fair Park which is like the and it, like literally in the place where you judge cows that's like what <laughs> the last thing was in there and uh, and my friend and I stuck around because we wanted just to like thank Ian Mackay and the guys for like going out of their way. Cause when you, when you're on tour, it's like Chicago, St. Louis, 
and then Kansas City, then Denver. Like going to Omaha is 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 like a can be like six to eight hours out of the way, basically. And so I remember going. I went up to him and I was like, "Hey, Ian, I just want to thank you for like coming all the way here." And he was like really nice. And he apologized because he had a, had a cold. And this big, huge bouncer guy that was hired by the venue comes up and he's like, "Hey." Stop bothering the band. And Ian McKay looks at him, and this makes me love him forever. Like, honestly, I would give him a kidney or whatever. He looks at the guy, and he goes, they're just kids talking to a guy and who is in a band they fucking like. Relax. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. It's the, it was, like, the most amazing thing. You just see this, like, 300-pound dude just, like, shrink away. When, yeah. like, so, like, you know, that that's how important it was to us to like support someone who was coming out of their way to come and perform for us. So we're like, we have to go see this show. Uh, all the other bands, Reverend Horton Heaton is a really fun band and Iggy pop is a legend. We have to go to this. So we go and it's in council bluffs, Iowa council bluffs, Iowa gets made fun of by people in Nebraska. That's how bad council bluffs, (laughs) Iowa is like, it's, People in Iowa don't like don't want it, and people in Omaha only go. That's where like, if an episode of Porky's, if you had like a Porky's movie that took place in Nebraska and Iowa, Porky's would be in Council Bluffs. Like it, it's where you would go to get laid, basically. Like just go to Council Bluffs; those girls will put out. That was sort of the vibe. <laughs> and we pull up to the the amphitheater that Council Bluffs had built, and you think like. The Australia Amphitheater, this is a beautiful, magnificent thing, like these, like or like the Hollywood Bowl at the Greek Theater. This looked like a crater had landed, and then they just threw concrete on top of the hole. Like it's awful, and it's a million degrees. There's no shade, um, and so we sit there and we suffer through all of these bands, and every act is the same. No one's, everyone's sort of in on the concrete part in front of the stage. They're just sort of milling about, kind of paying attention to the band. Then, you know, they'll be like, cumbersome, and everyone goes crazy, and then maybe they'll do a cover, and then that's it. It's like this constant depression, and then, like, moments of ecstasy, and then nothing. Uh, like life. Like life, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like life. <laughs> that's our follow-up. Uh, so... Uh, we're sitting there and we kind of like suffer through all of these bands and uh, and uh, we, we're sitting there and we're watching them and as the day kind of moves along, the people are leaving. Like it's it's so hot and uncomfortable and like uh, no one wants to be there by the end. And so everyone now is sort of on the outskirts of this big, huge amp. Like if, if everyone was in the last row of the Rose Bowl, basically, is what's mm-hmm. happening eating just like fried food and hot dogs and stuff like that. And the uh, Reverend Horton Eat come out and they play. And at that point, like I, my friend and I like started talking to these cute girls and we're having a good time and Reverend Horton Eat's really fun and like guys standing on bass guitars and they're all wearing flame. They all were dressing like Guy Fieri before it was Guy Fieri to dress <laughs> that way, you know? And uh, that was great. And we're like, this is super, super fun. <clears throat> But by the end of that, there's all, then they end and everyone who was into swingers and everyone who was like, uh, a rockabilly guy just leaves. And there's literally now in the area where the concert is taking place, 10 people, 
Like it's no one is there. These <laughs> girls that we're talking to, my friend Brett and and no one else. It's just empty. And we just walk up to the front and this woman comes out and I don't know why like she sticks out in my head so much, but it she's such a contrast to what like Iggy Pop is. She's big blonde hair and she's wearing like one of those satin radio station jackets with mm-hmm. the radio station k-rock on the back of it <laughs> she's like and she's like a, a fossil that has somehow like and in 1970s she got frozen and now she's here again <laughs> like captain america or something like that and she was probably really well known because we don't have celebrities in nebraska like so she was like super confident and that kind of bothered me too like <laughs> Because, like, in Nebraska, like, Jim Flowers was a weatherman, and he's changed networks, and that's, like, Dwight Howard leaving the Lakers. Like, that it was it was all over the place. And so, like, this one was probably pretty famous and, like, well-known. I remember listening to her, but I can't remember her name at all. But, like, so she's got this big hair, and she's, like, super exuberant, and she comes out, and she's like, are you guys ready for Iggy? And she kind of butchers his name. <laughs> it's a tough name. And he like... In her defense. It's kind of... Yeah. It's like, it does have more than one letter <laughs> yeah, in it. And uh, I mean, she's only in radio. So I mean, what are you going to yeah. do? She's not a word person. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't talk for a living. Yeah. And so he comes out and the band is kind of like plugging in and he's not like full of energy at this point. It's sort of just like sauntering out and he grabs the microphone and then he walks back to where the drum kit is. The drum kit's on this razor and on the razor is a, a banner for the radio station and he just grabs one end of it and he goes does this station even play my fucking songs and tears the banner down Jeez. and like <laughs> the band starts playing seeking destroyers like da 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 it's just like you know it's coming at you like super hard and we <laughs> rush up to the barricade and then realize that there's only like five now there's like maybe five people <laughs> like there's literally one security guard in front of me just looking at me like every person <laughs> has a security guard and they're sort of looking at us like the way a mother does after being at the mall all day with her kid like come on like right, we've got, yeah. like it's been a long day just yeah. relax and we're pushing <laughs> we're pushing the barricade and like he starts just moving and and if you, you can see pictures of Iggy Pop and go, that guy has a crazy body. It's sinewy or whatever. In person, it looks like the visible man, the thing that you got as a kid with all the organs or like good body, the guy who is wearing the suit. <laughs> like, it's like that is flopping around on stage and he's jumping and he's twirling and he's like, I remember like one move he did was wrap the mic around his arm mm-hmm. and then pretend to shoot heroin with, oh. the, with the microphone. And, uh, you know, like... Uh, it was just, he was just putting everything out there and how did all five of you react? Uh, the girls left. Okay. So now you're down to three. (laughs) That sounded like three, three (laughs) people here. One of them being my friend and maybe like one other dude who was like an old school punker or whatever, you know, and that's it. Uh, you Brett and a punker, (laughs) (laughs) which is, uh, going to be on ABC next fall. (laughs) And, uh, Jenna Elfman is yeah is the you the punk the yeah, punker it's you <laughs> uh, and I remember there was a moment in maybe like the passenger or something like that and he just played all the hits like he just played the, the best you know the top shit of a pop that you'd want to hear and like the Stooges and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and he's <laughs> like and he just looks at me and he goes 
fuck you, get on stage. And I'm like, fuck you. And we're just <laughs> flipping each other off and I'm spitting at him. And not like in a mean, I'm not like, not in a mean way. Sure. Like it was just like, as if we were the only, as if I was a rich person and I was like, I want to be in CBGB's in my backyard, you know, like, and I hired him to do that. <laughs> like, and we're just yelling at each other and he's fucking giving everything and he is pouring everything out and just, I cannot explain any more than that. It's like watching uh, a Sharknado uh, on Sci-Fi Channel. Um, <laughs> sponsoring. <laughs> like, it's watching just someone give everything all at once. And uh, by the end of the show, like, everyone is frightened and no one's left. And, like, Brett and I are just walking out of the little concrete area of the amphitheater. Like, sad food trucks are packing up as the sun kind of is going down. He may have... I think he only performed for 45 minutes. But it was, like... Ramon's 45 minutes like just yeah. non-stop like you just I like everything inside of me felt like it was melting like that's how hard he played and uh I was recently talking to someone about this story because and it's interesting that you asked me to be on this podcast I was just talking to someone about the story because I think about it a lot you know being like a comedian or being a performer in any way because here's the moral of that story he performed harder I think because no one was there exactly he said he I think you know my in my glorified version of the story he was like fuck everyone who left I want them to hear about this tomorrow and he put everything out there and so like as someone who like I've had to do shows before where I'm like oh god there's five people out there you mm -hmm. know and you want to like bail on it and and sort of like I kind of now think I always think like what would what would Iggy Pop do here and what he would do would be just go way harder than anything and anyone expected and that's how you win like that's how you win the game honestly definitely yeah like Michael Jordan Iggy Pop that's the same mentality you know what yep. I mean like Iggy Pop has that same ideal man I love him for it like forever did you go on stage or no there was no way I was getting literally there was a security guard for watching me yeah <laughs> like, uh, like, okay. Like I, we pushed the barricades and we would kind of shake the barricades, but then they would come over and they'd be like, come on, <laughs> like, come on guys. Can you calm down for a minute? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah. And I, you know, he just disappeared. It was like, I, I tried to like wait around to see him or whatever, but like, I think he like evaporates after he performs. <laughs> like he's like, uh, it turns into a bat or something, but, uh, man, He's the best. I can't. It goes to Iggy Pop. He's like 100 years old and probably still better than, you know, any band you'll see. I love that he went to Council Bluffs in the first place. Council Bluffs, is that the city? Am I? Yeah, yeah. I, the, the thing is that that station, like people may not know this, but like that radio stations used to be locally owned. And that was like right as that changed. And so that station got bought out by a big like corporation and so i think that i have a feeling that that was like part of it was that they it was like viacom you know the k-rock franchise that like basically bought out the local radio station that was really awesome mm -hmm. and uh got replaced by like a corporate guy that was being you know programmed by one guy uh you know nationally or whatever and so i think that's why they were able to get him was because it was he's probably they probably had one of these at every city right yeah this this is probably almost like a tour with all these terrible bands with Iggy Pop headlining, and if it wasn't for Train Spotting, like no one, they wouldn't have even considered him. Also, like it was just that at that it was at that moment that like Lust for Life was a huge hit, you know? Yeah, and so uh, they got to have like a really amazing headliner accidentally. And now Jim Rome uses it. Yeah, no, yeah. 
who is got the best taste in music in the world? Probably. Yeah, Rome. He seems really cl- what a good guy. What's up, clowns? Radio. He knows about a are tease. We, he we knows taking, all about a tease. Are we taking calls later? What's up, clowns? We got the smackdown later. What's up, Whale Cave? It's Dave the Davinator. <laughs> Here's my take on Iggy. Um, that is inspiring. I think of that about that performing. Yeah, a lot. Not that. Not your story that I just heard for the first time. <laughs> you think about that's amazing. But I that idea because I had a I heard they might be giants tell a similar tale. Mm. The anti Iggy Pop. They might be giants, but they talk about performing to like four people when they were starting and how they gave it their all with their accordions and everything. Well, I, I know different vibe. I I know but I, it's an inspiring idea. Harmar superstar Sean. Mm-hmm. And like Andrew WK both have similar stories where they didn't even have bands. They were just like traveling with CD players and performing at venues, you know, and it's like that's why those guys are able to build their careers because they took they would perform in the worst places. But, yeah. But then like got like everyone thinks of Andrew WK as like this really positive guy. But like, man, that must have been hard when you were first starting. And he For sure. He's just like playing, uh, you know, playing to a CD player. And jumping around in white pants. <laughs> Probably would be hard. It's a lot harder to party hard when it's at a VFW in like, yeah. uh, like Brooklyn or something like that. You can do whatever in white pants, though. Yeah, he really pulls it off. Yeah. Even wait, if, you, if you're the kind of guy that wears white pants, you're good. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You yeah. don't have a yeah. confidence problem. Oh, he's got it all. Why don't we all just wear white pants? I just want him to... I want Andrew WK to like talk me into shit more. Like Call me up and just be like... <laughs> Like, I want to ask this girl out. And he's like, just do it, man. You know, <laughs> Get on the white pants. Bro. Get on the white yeah, Slip on those white pants. Everyone's got white pants inside them. <laughs> um, you also were talking about a Jello Biafra tale. Uh, if you, you want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. It is. So, like, the, Jello Biafra, uh, the lead singer of the Dead Ken- Kennedy is kind of a seminal punk band. Uh, San Francisco, they wrote the classic song california uberalis or whatever and i was doing a show i was doing the tomorrow show one night at the steve allen theater with uh, hosted by ron lynch and i was mm-hmm. like really excited here in los angeles here in los angeles if you're in town saturday's very night to me i feel like we're plugging things that's yeah. which is great that's synergy. go see it clowns go see it clowns. watch adult swim see see tomorrow show it's called tomorrow clones next day yeah. that's what romas does too he repeats yeah, the yeah. same idea over and over oh god next day tomorrow clones day after today not today, but later. After 12 a.m. When the clock, things are straight up and then just a little to the right of that. <laughs> little hand, big hand, pointing at the one and the two. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Like, I'm going to do a show with, like, a punk rock legend, you know? Like, how often does that get to happen mm-hmm. to, to a kid from Nebraska? Um and so I, I'm probably fine. a lot, yeah, probably a lot more than I think. <laughs> but uh, I mean, as a comedian, I mean, like maybe oh, if I was oh, in a, a comedian, right. as a comedian, like as a band person, if I was in a band, like yeah, I, I might sure. have opened up for you know Screeching Weasel or something. But mm-hmm. like, very little chance for a comedian. It's like Henry Rollins and Jello Biafra, and those are the two people you can open for. Mm-hmm. And so like, and John Mayer, and John Mayer. I'm actually following Jello. All right, so like. Uh, which, by the way, name but alone. He's, he's playing music. No, no, he's just doing spoken word at this thing. Oh, okay. He does speeches now. Oh, right, yeah. He, he does essays. So that's, so uh, you're like, okay, this is going to be interesting, but like, it's going to be like Henry Rollins, who was actually pretty good at that. And like, I get there, 
and it's there's all these it's packed because there's a lot of jello fans and uh if you want to know what jello biafra fans are like now it's <laughs> um it's like insane clown posse people but with slightly better dress sense like that's it they're bre- the worst people like honestly they're <laughs> like they're like if insane clown posse people joined yearbook you know what i mean like that's what it's like they're nerds and they're awful and uh but they dress pretty well. They dress. I mean, they dress like they just don't dress in clown makeup or whatever. Okay, you know I, I mean, see. What like you're they're, they're like they're like they look kind of like hipsters, but they're they have the attitude of like they're the kind of people who like th- think they're shocking all the time. Okay, you know what I mean. Like that's what he attracts. It's like it's I don't know. Is, can, it's like the same way that people who find like Adam Carolla really shocking to me. And it's like he's really talking about toilet paper. He's saying the things about toilet paper we all think. <laughs> Right, taking people down, bro. Um, that is We're not a, a lot of radio today. That is not representation of the rest of this podcast network or this podcast. It's That's Sal's my personal thing. And, um, I love Corolla, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just me. His picture is literally on the wall. Uh, yeah, Matt Belknap just pointed at Adam Corolla's picture on the wall. If he doesn't talk about toilet paper a lot, then I'm wrong. But he does. Um, so <laughs> Jello goes up and. The audience before him, awful people. He goes up and he does, th- I think, three things, two, two or three things. And the weird thing about it is that it's he's complaining about s- stuff that's like outdated. It's like this is after Obama's elected, and he's like complaining about Sarah Palin still, and like Ronald Reagan is coming up, and like he's like the spreading of Starbucks everywhere and stuff. Like it's all like just slightly <laughs> outdated, you know? Right. Like he'll be like. You people with your Gap jeans walking to Starbucks to listen to Sarah Palin on the news is like, what are you? And there's no like through line through it, the story. And then the second one is totally crazy because he's just like, I was, I was a part of the greatest named band ever. So I'm going to give you names of bands that I've come up with since then. And he just reads names of bands. And I swear to you, for 20 minutes and they're not funny and they're not even good they're not interesting and uh it's awful and i'm supposed to follow him at at some point and he gets off stage (laughs) and immediately all of his fans leave and as he's leaving like charlene Yi, who's like an adorable like twee funny musician person is up on stage and they're just being the worst people. And I'm like, hey, maybe you should stick around for a little bit, Jello. And not, and he's, he's just gone. He's sweaty and wearing really poorly. And he was just like weird and rude. And like, hmm. and like he, he, and then he would try to sell me records, which was also weird. Like, he was selling merch. He was selling merch at the Tomorrow Show, which is an odd, which is sort of like, I don't know. It's like selling merch, like, at a crafts fair i don't know it's like there's nothing like no one's buying that but that's my right, jello yeah. story and uh since then i've kind of like were you a fan of the dead kennedys before i do like the dead kennedys okay you know like they're great i love like, the era of punk and i like right it, but it is sort of like he hasn't evolved at all you know like it's still the same things that he's complaining about it's like you surfers and your jeeps you know like and so it's like really great and so now i kind of just do that Every once in a while, I'll, I'll like complain about something and be like, and use his voice because it's the best. <laughs> it's the best tone to complain about something that's not like 
How long is this line at Ralph's anyways? Where are we going? Apocalypseville? Like, <laughs> right. You can, he's the worst. It's so amazing. See, I wouldn't have imagined he would be like that. I thought he would have like a sharper. It's, yeah, maybe. That's he's, weird. It is weird. I mean, I, I kind of want to go. There's part of me that wants to go and look up and see if he's done newer stuff. And then part of me loves the version of it that I remember that I don't. I don't yeah. want to know if he's gotten better. It's like he's like your third eye blind song in a way. He is my do 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 do. Yeah. Do do do. You want to bring it back? Yeah. That's what we do in radio. It's like <laughs> me and Romy. You and Rome's bro. Um, dude, thank you for sharing those tales. I thought. Can I ask you about Omaha? Because I thought Omaha was yeah. like a cool music scene. Now has it, it evolved? I mean, I thought now it was all like Connor Oberst. And like that vibe, but is that not? No, no, no. That's I think that is totally. Is what I read in Spin not true? <laughs> what do you and in nineteen ninety Spin magazine? Yeah, reading? Uh, yeah. No, you know, didn't Jenny Lewis move out there? Jenny Lewis did move out there and was miserable and left. Is that right? Yeah, I think <laughs> okay. she talked about it. I think there was the an article didn't go a whole that far. album about her. Like, the, and I think in the album she talks about like hating it and not not hating. Omaha is great on that song. Omaha sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that song. Okay. That would, uh, that would explain that song a lot better. I, I think that Omaha, like the the cool thing about like coming from a place like Omaha or whatever is like rent is really cheap, and right? You, and you can be in a band and have practice space and really great, great. And I think that's what when I was in college. So basically, at the same time that this story happened, Saddle Creek is just kind of blossoming. Uh, Connor Ober's brother is in a band called Lullaby for the Working Class. Cursive is starting to come out. Um, there's a bunch of other bands. Oh my god! Oh, I don't know if I have time to tell that, but it's a small thing. But like, tell a small thing, Ed. Okay, so that's another tease. Another thing. Uh, so it's called a cliffhanger. But yeah, but yeah, it is really great. Um, it, the music scene now, the local music scene is great, and now actually bands do come there and tour more, and it has gotten better to where like I think kids do get to see like whatever band the yeah yeah has played Soko Hall like a couple years back, and I was like, that's amazing because the Soko Hall is like the best venue in the world. It looks like a place where you film a music video. You know, like mm-hmm. it just looks super cool. A green screen. It's like, yeah, it looks like a green screen. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I left and I knew some of the Saddle Creek guys kind of like um, peripherally. And um, I come back after moving to North Carolina and visit. And I went to this place called the Antiquarium that had an on consignment record store, which was the first place that you could buy Saddle Creek records at the time. And I go down to the guy and Connor Oberst had just been on the cover of maybe Rolling Stone or Spin or something like that. And like, and I was, I walk up to the guy behind the counter who I've known for years and I'm like, Hey man, isn't it really awesome? Like the Saddle Creek thing's happening and like Omaha has sort of gotten this notoriety and it's amazing. And he just looks at me like hangdog and goes, no, those are all my friends and now they're gone. <laughs> oh man. And I was like, that's the saddest. Oh. It is shitty and sad all the, but you can't, you feel bad. You do feel bad yeah. for him. Like. These kids who hung out at his record store are gone now. Yeah. It was kind of awesome. So that's my Saddle Creek record story. I put the sad in Saddle Creek. <laughs> I think it was already there with Saddle Creek. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Now you know where it comes from. Um, All right. <laughs> that's true. That's my last music story. Ed, thanks so much for being oh, on Whale no, Cave. Thanks for having me. Please come back. Uh, yeah, please have me back. I'll see if I can have some more music adventures in between now and then. Go out there. Go find them. All right. Thanks, guys. And uh, keep listening. Keep listening. It's all That's radio talk. (laughs) 
folks, how about that Ed Salazar coming in with that Nebraska knowledge, talking some Iggy Pop. That song, China Girl, I didn't know China Girl was co-written by Iggy Pop and David Bowie. I didn't know that. It's like when I found out Prince also wrote Manic Monday, the bangle sang. This is rocking my world, everybody. Everything's coming together. A lot of synergy. Um, Jello Biafra. So I was looking up, uh, doing some research on Jello Biafra because that's what a good host does. That's another radio tip, podcast tip. Jell Biafra was the runner-up, follow me on this, folks, in 2000. Jell Biafra became a politician, too, I guess. He joined the Green Party, and he was, in 2000, the runner, the second-place nominee to Ralph Nader to, be, to run for president, okay, in 2000. And if you remember, in 2000, Ralph Nader cost Al Gore, some say, the election in Florida because he siphoned some of the votes. So he lost it to Bush. And then Bush obviously won Florida, won the country. And then we, you know, went downhill <laughs> rapidly. So one could say if Jello Biafra just ran a stronger campaign, <laughs> he. So you're saying Jello would not have siphoned the same number of yeah, votes? He wouldn't. Because can I tell you why? Because first of all, most. And I'm look. I'm Jewish, so I'm just going to say a lot of Jews uh, voted for Ralph Nader in Florida. You got a lot of the Jewish vote, and so and Jews hate Jello. Jews hate Jello, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to vote for Jello Biafra. He has a song about Nazis. You know, it's like they're not going to vote for Jello Biafra, okay. right? So they would have gone Gore. He would easily win Florida. We, you know, we would have come out of Iraq. It's like unemployment would never have happened. <laughs> anyway, wow, I, I, I pin a lot of this on Jello Biafra. Yeah, well, you're right. Anyway. Just saying. In addition to Ed's problems with him, yeah, I've got that beef with right. Jell Biafra. He's just not a good person. Well, all the all the way around. I'm just saying, it's pretty damning <laughs> evidence from selling merch at a non-appropriate venue <laughs> yeah, exactly. to, to ruining the 2000 election. To perhaps costing us 2000 election. Anyway, it seems to make sense to me. Um, well, that's Matt Belknap talking. Hey, I'm really glad you're a guest today. Thanks for having show. me. A lot of times, Matt Belknap is, as I said, the producer of Whale Cave. But he, in addition to being the, uh, he's a producer. And if you don't already know this about Matt Belknap, you probably do. Producer, co-host of Never Not Funny podcast, very popular. Yep. Um, podcast pioneer, really. <laughs> Co-founder of a Special Thing Records. Yep. And man about town. <laughs> Not so much these days with the two kids, but eh, we'll edit that part out. <laughs> but I'm glad you're here. You're you're talking because you never come. You were you were uh, present when we talked. Uh, Learning about pop music from my wife's car. Right. Which, that, by the way, that's a song that just the mere suggestion, or, or even if I think of it, I start, I get it stuck in my head. Your, your theme song for... <laughs> it's a great learning song. Learning about pop music yeah. in my wife's car. A lot of, a lot of so kids catchy. are singing it. Yeah. So catchy. I can write it too. And I have I'm like since, Prince. I'm like Iggy Pop. Yeah, totally. I've since actually, uh, because like your wife, I enjoy the pop music. Mm -hmm. So and and I didn't really know about uh, what are they, it's called My FM. I don't know if it changed branding recently, but it's now one hundred four point three My FM. Mm -hmm. The nineties and beyond. Nineties, yeah, it's nineties like to present. Nineties to today, yeah. which is a concept that um, we used. You know, it used to be eighties, nineties, and today when it was the two thousands or the aughts or whatever you want to call it. But right. now that we're in two thousand thirteen, you do need to account for this decade that we've seems to have just passed us by but there are some lost gems there and I, I hear some weird things on that channel that i actually like that are from like the early 2000s i got an early pink i'm not above mm. well okay that's not the there. best example but yeah 
I know what you mean. You don't like... I can't go there, but I, I know what you mean. I've just... Uh, what was I? I heard it yesterday. I was like, God, I forgot about this song. Um, uh, like a Pill? Just Like a Pill? Weird song. Not a good... Not, I'll have to borrow my wife's car because I don't know that. Not lyrically strong, but a good melody, a good hook. And speaking of the 90s, I, I just want to... You clarified on the break, over the break, that... Uh, not Christmas break, but just now. <laughs> that was by Collective Soul. I yes, was right. You were right. I interpreted Ed's impression of that. Band. That was Collective Soul. I knew Ed I got couldn't it. conceive that a band he considers good could have yeah. created that. Oh, man. But that was maybe, like you told me in the break, that one of their, not one of their better songs, it just happened to be a hit. Right, yeah. So well, you're backing them. You're not saying that they're not good. You're just saying. I like Collective Soul. I like uh, uh, December Bomb at your game. I like that song. Yeah, I remember that. There's that a couple good. songs I like of theirs. Yeah. So I got, I got no no hate it's, for them. If like, that comes on my FM, I'm turning that up. It probably is on there. It's, Sweet. It's right in their wheelhouse. Sweet. Vaguely Christian. Uh, Vaguely. Little Listen at Work mojo. <laughs> I'll sing that at work loud. Yeah, see, that's a song you're allowed to sing at work because it could very well be playing on the receptionist's radio. Yeah, I'll get a lot of eye rolls or that one. <laughs> that could be a, a, a that could be hold music. That's that's how <laughs> innocuous collective. Souls. You hear that at Ralph's, you know, at a grocery store, <laughs> right? On the uh, all right. So you were going to talk about. Uh, I mean, we talk about music a lot. Yeah, the off show. the air, we we are often caught up in conversations. Music and basketball. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is a new uh, common movie coming out. <laughs> Uh, was he at Love and Basketball? Love and Basketball. Yeah. actually saw it. I don't know why, but I went to see that. Um, but you you had a you were telling me about a funny story. Yeah, in in, uh, in high school, uh, I uh, I guess I grew up in Massachusetts, mostly upstate New York and Massachusetts, and um, and I love I growing up I bas- basically around like seventh eighth grade. I got really into rap. Like it was the, to me, it was like the golden age of rap with like public enemy and mm-hmm. and epmd and and tribe Quest, day law yeah uh, all those guys like that was my music and like that's how i kind of identified myself like i even had not as extreme but uh, uh i didn't take it to the extreme the way vanilla ice did but my hair was vaguely vanilla ice-esque at mm-hmm. a, for a time i didn't shave the lines into it but the top what about the eyebrows or did you I didn't do eyebrows either actually i did cut my eyebrow you might even be able, still be able to see it i cut my eyebrow trying to dunk in my mom's driveway once because <laughs> uh, I couldn't reach it. So I put one of those big, um, Oh, not paint- recently. No, 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 oh. no. When I was a teenager, I, I put one of those giant, one of those big paint cans, not, not a paint can, but like those huge, the, the ones that kids play in the subway, like as a drum. Yeah, sure. I set one of those up to step off of and jump to dunk because I couldn't reach the rim otherwise. And, and my mom had like a gravel driveway and, and it tipped over and I fell and cut my eyebrow. Oh, so man. it does actually look like I shaved. Is yeah. it this one or this one? I don't even know. Can you see it's it? It's the one on your right. Is it this one? Yeah. Yeah. So like a piece of skin was hanging off of my, my head and I just went boop. And then I, now I don't have hair there. So it's in, unintentionally I did do that, but it wasn't for, for vanilla ice effect. Did you go inside and uh, cover it with ice ice, baby? <laughs> No, I I think I probably toughed it out and like went back. I was like, I got to I got to I got to nail this funky jam. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's what the 90s were all about is like just jamming on rims. (laughs) Yeah. Hang on the rim. Yeah. Uh, even though pull up. the saddest part of that story is it wasn't even a 10 foot rim. I think it was a nine foot rim. 
uh, because but I still couldn't reach it. So anyway, I can't comment on the sadness <laughs> of it because if it, unless it was a six foot rim, I'm not <laughs> right. I'm not jamming on that. Uh, so so my perspective was uh, that I even though I loved pop top forty growing up, I at that point in my life I was like man fuck pop music i probably even said fuck vanilla ice because because third base i loved third base and third base sure. said fuck vanilla ice, so i had to get on board with that yeah. um you gave him the gas face yeah i i was gas facing left and right anyone who i deemed not not street or cool enough so the new kids on the block also from massachusetts they were to me like the epitome of the worst thing that was happening in music uh in 91 or whatever um they were you know they were sort of trying to be a little bit like very very faintly hip-hop flavored but so soft and Mm -hmm. so inoffensive and and just really for little girls and and i shouldn't have been mad about it there's always there's it's fine to make music for little girls Uh, they weren't making music for me and and whatever but uh it we got to the point where it's just like those guys are so lame like let's so and so in my high school we like we decided for the talent show some friends of my one of my friends this is an important point one of my friends looked eerily like joey mcintyre <laughs> <laughs> who everyone sort of felt like was the cute one like right. he was the, the the one that he was the least threatening of five non-threatening guys um and so we were like, we should do just as a funny, wouldn't it be funny if we like did a lip sync of a new kid's song, like for the talent show, uh, and like totally nail them. <laughs> like these guys are so lame. And, uh, you're like, yeah, let's do it. Cause this guy looks like Joey. And then I realized, um, maybe cause I had like a very prepubescent, like sort of facial hair thing happening. Um, and then I like if I put a baseball, I wore baseball caps a lot because that was also a big thing. I, I basically the irony is I was kind of like a new kid on the block. <laughs> yeah. I, I was a white kid who loved street like urban hip hop culture. I wore cross colors, you know, clothing. I don't know if you remember those clothes, but they were very like <laughs> bright. Like they, they would be like jeans with like like a, a South Africa flag on the, <laughs> on the pocket in the back or whatever, like really uh, like ugly clothes that were, were cool for uh, like a few months. And, um, what, what, this is eighth grade. Junior, th- no, no, school? this is like high school now, 10th or 11th grade. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're old enough to know like, better. It's like 91. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely, make absolutely. Sure. I just want to see it. Okay. But I, but I, but I, and you know, so I would wear like the, the really baggy, like athletic jerseys, right. like a throwback Negro league. I had a Negro league right. baseball jersey the grays <laughs> like that's how that's how clueless i was i was like no no it's cool like it doesn't matter that i'm white i i really i i identify with this culture and i'm i and i i sympathize with their plight and yeah. so it's okay if i do it but those guys who are singing i exactly. I'll, I'll be loving you forever those guys don't know what the yeah. fuck they're doing so anyway i would always wear i wore a lot of baseball caps just like they did and and with a baseball cap pulled down low and my scraggly facial hair i kind of looked like donnie Wahlberg when i was 16 mm-hmm. <laughs> so so between my friend and i we kind of had two-fifths of new kids covered like roughly and so we just kind of filled in the gaps with the other guys and um and i got because we live i don't know maybe these were everywhere but because we lived I, I went to a boarding school outside of boston so like uh you could go into cambridge and and go to like the the cool places where that had like the cool alternative like the doc martin boots and the whatever and mm-hmm. they had those i don't know if you remember this is a very obscure thing but donnie Wahlberg wore a hat made by a company called hardware Mm-mm. w-e-a-r and it was just a hat with a metal plate bolted onto it that was engraved with the word hardware 
that's all it was. But I, I think I guess that. they made other they made other with other engravings on other hats, but the one he so anyway. Like I bought one, I was I saw it and I was like, I'm gonna buy this because now I'm really gonna sell this thing and I'll wear overalls with one. I, I already had the overalls, <laughs> it's like so I wore the overalls with the one strap thing. <laughs> so we did this song, and the, maybe the saddest part of this whole story, although it gets much sadder later, um, uh, <laughs> is that this wasn't even the height of new kids. They were already kind of on the downslide. They had, they had peaked with, um, I forget what that album was. That was like, had a million hits, but then after they came out with another album, which was probably like their third called step by step. Right. And, uh, and then that, after that, they put on a, then, then they changed their name to NKOTB because they didn't want kids. They were like, we're not kids anymore. Yeah. So, so then there was NKOTB and they put out a remix single called No More Games. <laughs> and that was what we lip synced to because that had Donnie did a rap in that. And so I got to do like a rap. We all we choreographed a dance routine, of course, <laughs> like we, sure. we get, figured out the moves. And then we had each guy saying his part like they do in New Kids, like each guy sings a verse or whatever. And then Donnie comes out with his rap. And I even still kind of remember it was like. I remember the first part. I was like, no more games, boy. So what you saying? <laughs> and then something, something. And then something about uh, drug free. Oh, no, that's Marky Mark. He said drug free. So put the crack up, which I always thought was hilarious. <laughs> like as if as if a white kid rapping is going to be like, a guy's about to light a <laughs> crack fight. Yeah. He's like, wait a minute. What? Yeah. I shouldn't do this. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I'll put the crack up. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for changing my life, Marky. So so we do the show and like it's. Uh, and you're doing it just to be. I'm just want to clear this. So yeah you're doing it there's no like your intention is making fun of it yeah but you're but we're doing committing it. to it you're just 100%. doing it we're just doing it there's no so the like, idea twist. is that like ha ha we're doing isn't it, this isn't thing. it funny that isn't it ridiculous because every oh it's also a, it was a very small school like so everybody kind of knew each other and everybody kind of knew like that they knew who we were to the point that it was like these guys it wasn't like it wasn't like the jocks were gonna be like those guys like new kids let's beat them up right it was like we were kind of i i don't know there wasn't really like the cool kids and the not cool kids but we were we were at least you know in a in a position to not be mocked for it more like everyone would get that okay these guys are you clowning. were kind of cool adjacent yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean it was it was or so, you were cool and you're just being modest about it i don't know i mean i don't know i guess i guess there were you different were cool. <laughs> <laughs> maybe right. i mean yeah. we weren't nerds i guess like they were pretty like, cool th- there were there was a group of kids that we called the corner crew because they sat in this one corner of the cafeteria and they played dungeons and dragons we weren't those guys okay so if that hey man it sounds if, like if it, that makes us cool then i guess we were cool sounds Sorry, like at man. your school like you don't call them nerds nerds you call them the corner crew <laughs> And if you're cool, it was you're like, like kind of cool, maybe almost cool. It was like five kids. Sure. And they were still like, I was still friendly with those guys. Like everyone, it was a, it was a very, like a very, uh, non-judgmental. It was a, I, I really actually liked the school I went to. It was, everyone was very accepting of everything. It was, it was in the height of p- political correctness and mm. everyone was like working extra hard to be like, right. no, that's, that's okay. If that's your thing, great. And so our thing was, we loved hardcore rap and to make fun of white kids who love hardcore rap, right, yeah. even though that's what we were. So, uh, yeah, so we did the show and I, I guess people thought it was, you know, they, people liked it. They were like, you know, they cheered. I think, I think the idea was like, it was funny, but at the same time it was kind of like, wow, you really did learn all these dance moves. And, and, and so, so as just like we were, we were getting the vicarious thrill of like what it, uh, on a very small scale, what it was like to be the new kids on the block, mm-hmm. the girls uh, in our school, got to very safely 
like play the part of like we're screaming fans and this is kind of a it was a, it was a cathartic moment for everybody it was like mm-hmm. now we don't have to pretend that this isn't cool we can actually tap into that little part of us that maybe still kind of likes pop music and is is really kind of wish we we wish you could admit that this was it was kind of you know fun so so that that happened and it was like all right that was fine but then one of the guys in the group his mom uh ran a dance studio and uh and she i don't know if it was her idea or or his idea but one of them decided you guys should come to the dance studio and perform (laughs) that for all the students who are like probably six to 12 year old girls because that's the that's the target so um so and that seemed like a great idea i don't know why at the time but it 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 seemed like this is going to be i think we got a rush from performing (laughs) the the talent show it was like let's i don't want this to end now like this is so great like this is really fun so we so we went on like a Friday night. We like drove out to this school uh, or this this dance studio, and uh, it was just you know like a like you, exactly what you picture like two mirrors and a and a ballet bar mm-hmm. and maybe sixteen girls sitting on the floor. And uh, and this is the part that I'm like really bums me out looking back on it. I don't know why this was important to me, <laughs> but at the time, I I got it in my head that I wanted those girl I, I think this is something i've always because i have younger sisters too and i always for some reason i always want to trick people like younger kids into like <laughs> something that isn't true like I, I went camping once with with my family and i i tried to trick my little sister into thinking that there was like a bear outside even though there was and i don't know why that man she was like she was like five but she still knew that that wasn't true and i like really i really wanted to sell it like i wanted to pull <laughs> off this frame so i d- got it in my head i think you want it too much yeah that's, maybe that's what it is i need, I need to face. learn i need to learn to like yeah. lay back and just be very subtle but like but with the bear thing, I don't know what I did even is just like use a, a flashlight and raise my right. arms in the air and wave around. But with, in this situation, I was like, I want to convince these girls that we're like, not, I, I guess I did. I don't think I really thought I could convince them that we were the real new kids on the block, mm-hmm. but I, I did kind of feel like I could probably convince them that my friend is really Joey McIntyre. And then he just <laughs> does this sometimes <laughs> because he loves I don't know, interfacing with fans. I'm not sure what I thought, but like, I was like, and, and probably part of me was also like, but I, I, maybe if they think I'm Donnie too, like, that'd be cool. I don't know what, and it, this was not, this wasn't like a thing where I thought I was going to hook up with somebody. It was not that at all. Cause they were young kids. Yeah, I, I want to make that clear. Yeah. Yeah. No, it had nothing, it, make that clear. It had something, it had something I wasn't even do. thinking it needed to be made clear. <laughs> I, I suddenly felt like it needed to be, I don't know <laughs> yeah, why. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, it just, it was not, it was not at all. It was purely this sense. I guess I wanted to be, I wanted to like extend that that feeling of like that weird moment of when we performed like that like this is what it's like to Mm -hmm. perform this is what it's like to be one of the new kids i guess i wanted to be one of them in a weird way that i wasn't able to admit to myself so i was like so i'm like really trying to sell it at this at this thing and um and i you know and they're just sitting there like i don't know what they thought they probably thought what are we doing here? Like, mm-hmm. this was not a class. This was not regular class <laughs> yeah. hours. It was like eight o'clock at night. Yeah. We're paying for this. Yeah. Like what, what, why, why were we made to, you know, to witness this? This yeah. is nothing. It's just five guys who should know better. Like just yeah. dancing around to a CD. But, uh, but I didn't let that deter me. I think I just was like, like you said, I wanted it more. Yeah. So when it was over, Oh, cause I guess I thought, 
I, I guess I imagine they would just start screaming and like rush up to us and not, nothing of the sort occurred. <laughs> I don't even think they, I think they clapped politely probably yeah. when we were done. And then, so I, so I, so when it was all over and we we're like, okay, I guess, I guess that's it. I guess we're going. Like we did, we just did the one song. What else are we going to do? So I like, I was like, I didn't, I wasn't satisfied. Like I didn't get the same rush that I had gotten. So I like went over to one of the girls and I was like, you know, that guy. That's the real Joey McIntyre. <laughs> that's that's really him. He just likes to, he, I don't know. He likes performing for people a lot. And and she was like, "No, it isn't." And I was like, oh, "It is." <laughs> and then that was it. And then we were like, "All right, guys, oh, let's go home." And that was that was kind of that that was the death of that whatever that weird dream I had was. Where it was like, yeah. In one moment, I, I, I you know, it kind of. And then later, you know, what's weird is years later they did that show on mtv where like people want to turn into right yeah people kind of makeover thing yeah and it was really sad and and awful and but part of me was like i i I do know what i know what that where that comes from in a weird way it's like something about like maybe you don't have the the perseverance or the or the guts or whatever it is to be like i'm gonna be a pop star or I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to get recognition. It's like, no, I'm just going to take this little shortcut to be like that person. Uh, I'll just put on their costume and and hope people mistake me for them. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah. And, and I guess I, I don't know. I kept the hat. I did (laughs) did keep the hat. Get the hardware hat. I kind of liked it. I kind of thought it was cool. Um, and uh, I didn't wear it that much though, because it was very much associated (laughs) with with Donnie Wolf. Yeah. That would be cool now though. I, do, I still have it. Um, I, think I mean, just a, a wear. I mean, I'm saying if you yeah, well, like wore it out, sure. I'm you sure know what? Some I'll I'll dig it up. I think last case. It might be at my mom's house, but um, I'm sure it's yeah. It was. It's probably in a box with my my Jordan sixes and uh, right. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it's on your hat rack at home. <laughs> right at the front door. It's actually. Door. In a, it's in a, a you wore a, it here today. A plexiglass case yeah. on my mantle. And how did how did you do the talent show? You just kind of glossed over that. Where'd it you... wasn't a contest. Oh, because just... again, my school was very like right. Everyone's a winner. It was just fun. <clears throat> Everyone's gonna have fun. And you know, there was there were real bands at my school. It just occurred to me there were like actual uh, bands at my high school who played real music originals even <laughs> and that was so it, in that light it was even more ridiculous that we thought not even singing just lip syncing was gonna be right that you'd be like the <laughs> you all right <laughs> i'm sorry yeah I'm, I'm choked up from that i know it's a little emotional <coughs> i know we all had dreams <laughs> i think i was laughing at the hardware hat <laughs> i was also laughing at the idea that the corner crew had like a bit in the talent show I don't know what they did. I don't know that they did anything. Those guys, what's funny is looking back, those guys really, you know, those are the guys that would watch like, um, Real with, genius. with nail and I, and, and like they, they were cool actually in retrospect, They'd watch what? you know, that movie with nail and I, uh, or like they would watch like Monty Python and like okay. other obscure right. comedy things that now I'm like into. Yeah. And, um, and at the time I was like, I don't even know what that is. Um, like just random stuff from other countries. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I liked Monty Python as a kid, but, but they, they were, they were ahead of the game. They had that. Yeah. They had the, what we now, uh, you know, recognize as like the sort of the nerd tendency to like delve very deeply into weird, you know, subsets of things. And, and, uh, and they knew about the mighty Boosh. Yeah. Early before anyone else did. I'm right. sure they did. Yeah. And, uh, um, but you know, in lieu of having that kind of interesting personality, we just thought, you know, new kids on the block. 
they're they were due for a, a send up. <laughs> I <laughs> wonder what that it. says about you because it doesn't sound like you sent them up as much. No, as we didn't. Just like, not at all. Yeah. No. The only the only there was the only possible wink was that <clears throat> we just counted on the fact that people knew we didn't really like them. Right. When ironically, we probably all secretly did, or else why would we be spent? We devoted a fair amount of time to listening to the song enough to learn it and you know and master the dance, <laughs> learn the dance moves. I don't know that we were doing the dance moves from their video as much as we just sort of took three or four stock moves that, you know, like the running man and the cabbage patch. And you know, right. it, was that, it was that kind of stuff. You know, Jello Biafra named new kids. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that was at the yeah. tomorrow show. One of the early tomorrow shows he, he rattled off yeah. 500 names. And one of them that was like was minute six. And, and Maurice star was in the audience. Do you remember that guy? He was the, the Svengali who created, New edition. Oh, Backstreet and New Kids. Um, he did he did Backstreet Boys? No, that was a different guy. That was Lou Pearlman, I think. Um, mm. This was pre-Lou Pearlman. This is a, just a dude from from Roxbury or somewhere in, in the Boston area. See, I feel like if you did a New Kids in the Block, New Kids on the Block, <laughs> New Kids on the Block, on New the Kids block. on the Block, right? They're, they're not like, in the block. They're not in the block. You can't be. In Jenny's a block. on the block. Okay, they're both on the block. But if you did that send up now, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I get it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it's nostalgic and That's it's your, funny. your pull, you're right. calling back something from yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do think that if we, I just had my twentieth uh, high school reunion. I did not go because uh, it's across the country. But um, you want to see those kids on the corner, <laughs> corner kids, <laughs> corner crew? Actually, those are the guys I, I would want to yeah. see. I'd love to know what happened to them. They but, probably like started Pinterest or something, right? Exactly. No, but I, but that would have been like if we had all somehow gotten back together at the reunion and performed that would have brought the house down. Yeah, Cause, absolutely. Cause it's like, this is a music of the time of, right. of that moment. And, um, yeah, I mean, what can I say? I just, I think I've always had like this repressed. That's why I'm the co-host of never not funny. It's like <laughs> I snuck in the back door of performing in a way like, uh, without having the balls to like get on stage really. But, um, but that was, I think one of those things where I was like, I feel the need to, sure. To get to be, to, to have a crowd of people adore me for, for a few minutes. Yeah. You're like the, uh, I mean, you're not like this, but there's, you know, you're like the, the Senator who rails against gay marriage and then they find out later. <laughs> that is a great analogy. He's with the guy yeah. in the airport bathroom stall. Right. And we also, I should have also mentioned that all five of us had gay sex together. Did I not mention that? So it was, it's, it's very much subtext. like the Senator. Yeah. So it was, it was eerily similar to that. <laughs> yeah. Now that yeah, you mention it. The Larry Craig, <laughs> I believe was one of the many yeah. Republican senators. Good pull. Uh, well, I would love to see that. I hope you can, uh, does that, you tape that? You videotape that? I, you know what? That's put that up on the website. Great question. <laughs> we, could, we could start a website and put it up on the website. I don't have a tape of it. I, I'm sure there must be a corner tape crew? of it. Corner Crew? think the Corner, corner Crew taped crew, it? Probably, yeah, the AV Club. Uh, corner uh, Crew slash AV Club. Yeah. I, that, well, I was, I was part of the AV group. That's what's weird is like. I, you know, there's lots of overlap, you know, like I was... That's just weird because you're throwing stones a little bit, the corner crew, but here you were in the AV club. <laughs> well, the AV club wasn't geeky at my school. There was like, it was like people, you could, uh, there was actually, you could make, there was a class, you could you could take a film class and you could make movies with like eight millimeter film cameras and then you could Whoa. do video all projects. Right, yeah. and, and so it was all kind of tight. And that was kind of, the teacher, the, the film teacher was a really hip guy like mm-hmm. he was like the cool teacher at the school so 
so that was not geeky that was like you were kind of cool good thing okay yeah you were kind of like in this kind of gus van sant was the teacher (laughs) (laughs) he he you know what he was gay and he was a big gus van sant fan so not far off okay yeah and he he came out like that's how that's how uh accepting and progressive my school was is that that teacher came out during my uh tenure is it tenure when you're a student not really i don't know during my time there your time there yeah you should call it the gavy club at that point. <laughs> why? Come on. Why? Why are we doing that? Uh, it's, why go there? They, it was right there. They would not have liked that joke. No, there exactly. was no. You're not allowed to laugh at that in, in '92. <laughs> you could have if you understood like how accepting you're also accepting of that joke. <laughs> we're so accepting. Look, we're all different. Some people are gay, and other people like to laugh at gay things. And right. so what's that's all okay, yeah. no matter what you want, whatever, whatever side of that you're on. It's totally cool, guys. Yeah. So gay, be club, gay, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could go back in time and bust that joke out. I think I could have sold it. You should have gone on the reunion. <laughs> could have set up this whole thing. <laughs> that's another thing, by the way. Another talent show moment I had was I just, oh, this was when I was in an improv group my senior year. I did one whole thing. All I did was just an impression of a teacher that had a lisp. That was the whole bit. And uh, really mean, too. Like, I really wasn't, like, I really went in and... Uh, committed full And on. he was there. Mm-hmm. And um, and people laughed. But I don't I don't feel good about that now. No, no, no. It. it was like, I was way too hard on that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Should have let up a little bit. It sounds like, in your defense, I mean, you should have, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that but it sounds like the silver lining you committed you you commit to your characters i think that's what i'm getting at i guess i didn't know I, I like learning a little bit more about everybody mm-hmm. and uh well, and i like that, learning about you like I, you it sounds like you really committed to your character work whether it was your donnie Wahlberg character yeah. or your very mean <laughs> lispy lisp by the way that teacher. guy there were like three gay teachers at my school that guy wasn't gay but had a lispy voice. And I think mm. that made it like, right. That was one thing we, we were not accepting of. Like, we were accepting of the gay teachers, not accepting of the straight teacher with a lispy voice. Cause it seemed suspicious. Yeah. Like, what are you hiding? Lispy voiced straight man. It's funny. Cause my improv troupe in college in between college and my professional career, uh, had a sketch called the Syllabin S. It was like Syllabin S Anonymous Club or something. And it was about straight men who had a Syllabin uh, okay. S, but they weren't gay. I still, I still don't know if that's a thing or not. Like I still, I still uh-huh. wonder if anyone. I, that sounds ridiculous. I'm sure there are people who just happen to have, of course, a lisp. Sure, but no, but not a lisp. Not because it's a. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> so, if you write into Whale Cave, what is yeah, it? That, Matt at Whale Cave. Matt at Whale If you know about, uh, or you know, or you have. I just uh, want to know if there's any re- new research on the on mm-hmm. the subject. Like, have, have we people with just to clarify, people with a lisp, uh, a syllabin s. A, can you be straight and have a lispy voice, or is that always an indication of? Right. And I, I also believe in the spectrum. I don't know, like uh, everyone's it, gay a little bit. Well, that yeah, that that you fall somewhere. It you right. know, some people are way on one side, way on the other. Some people right. are a little middle. So like, I don't know, is the lispy straight man just is he in the middle, or is, has, does it have nothing to do with the spectrum? Is it just a right a quirk of their? Their tongue and roof of their mouth is shaped know. in a certain way. Well, that do I have? Uh, do I have a lisp? Um, I guess that's what I'm asking. I, I'm not aware of if I do or not. A little bit. Okay. Am yeah. I? Am I gay? Well, you're on the spectrum. <laughs> okay. Thank you. As we all are, folks. That's the moral today. We're on the gay spectrum, or the straight spectrum, depending on how you look at it.
Was what, was Jordan Knight gay? That's another question. I don't know if that was ever answered. I don't, I don't think know. he is. He, I don't know that much about New Kids lore. Yeah, I feel like one of them must have been gay. I think it was the. I think it was Jonathan Knight, the the older brother of Jordan. Jordan was kind of like the most. He was the most handsome, I think. And then Joey was also was sort of like the cute young guy. Yeah, I thought you said Joey was the most handsome. Well, Joey was the most. He was the adorable. He mm-hmm. was y- the youngest, and so he was like a cute. He was like I guess he was like the um, the Paul, and and Jordan was like the George. I don't know. Like George was kind of like the hottest beetle, right? Like like or, or maybe wow. that's maybe that's up for debate. I don't know. I always felt like like everyone thought Paul was cute. And I don't know what John was brooding or I don't know. Well, he seemed to be the most mysterious, I think. Yeah. I mean, but George Harrison, he was brooding. I think brooding's a good, yeah. Like, and George Harrison has that kind of like chiseled face. That's kind of like a little more like, and he dated and married a model. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's like ruggedly handsome. So I guess, so like Jordan was kind of like the, the most like, uh, like, but Paul was, I think the guy who girls, yeah, you know, and so but, but he, girls also went nuts for Ringo, and if you're going nuts for Ringo, right. I mean, yeah. Well, and then and that's in in New Kids. It was basically like Jordan and Joey were kind of at the top, right? Let's just just if you don't mind, I don't yeah. want to compare them to the Beatles in any way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why we're belaboring this. I just it feels like it's important to say. I think we're belaboring because you have a bit of an obsession with where New they kids. are. I think we've learned that throughout. There's, your a, tale. there's another spectrum. There's 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 the gay spectrum, and then there's the New Kids spectrum. Where do you fall in the New of kids hotness? Spectrum? Right. <laughs> like and so I just want to make sure. I think that Donnie was like right in the middle. Like Jordan's probably at the top, and then Joey's right up there too. I always thought Danny was at the far end. No, Danny was at the bottom. He looked like a, a gorilla or a, uh, some okay. sort of ape. And then um, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> if you saw a picture, you'd agree okay. with me. And then Jonathan was just kind of a, a gawky, like really tall, awkward guy. And I think he ended up actually being gay. Oh, okay. And I think Jordan was the one who was everyone thought was gay because he seemed a little bit. Um, because of your Sylvan S theory? Well, he was effeminate. He was a bit effeminate. But then I remember hearing like, and maybe he was just overcompensating, but I remember he like, I think he really went after the groupies hmm. pretty hard. I know nothing about their lore, <laughs> but I look forward to reading your book. Yeah. Your book about them. I, I mean. I know it's coming out in Penguin. <laughs> it's going to be spring of 2014. Uh, it's called Hardware, Hard Times. <laughs> it's about the, the, the later years. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The post Belknap. After I after I mocking after I spoofed them, they really didn't yeah. recover. Yeah. And I think that's another way to look at it. Is like we really put the final nail in the coffin. You really did. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, they're back. They're back now. They're touring again. They are touring with with they have a new Backstreet, album. right? I think they I think they've been touring with Backstreet Boys for a while, actually, for a few years. Uh, like the combined fan bases of those two, uh, slightly like five years apart women, uh, can yeah. get together and enjoy both of those groups. Yeah. Um, and I'm not above enjoying a. I've done karaoke. I've done Backstreet Boys karaoke style. So that's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the difference way. of them and In Sync, but that's fun. Yeah, I want it that way. Which one's that? Uh, you are. No, I know the song. Who my, sings that? Is my, that? Oh, that's Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I really thought you wanted me to do it. I don't. <laughs> I, and and I really, I really wanted to do it too. I know you do. Uh, Justin Timberlake is In Sync. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. Glad we're clearing all this up. Yeah. That's that's uh, boy band talk on Well Cave. Well, folks, we started. <laughs> I think that you start with Iggy Pop and you eventually get to boy band talk. Yeah. Um, well, hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm. I'm thanks I for being on this you. side of the mic. Yeah, 
Loved uh, it. I feel like uh, you've indulged uh, my very like I haven't even said anything out loud, but I've probably been sending signals to you like I I could be I could be on the show. You text me a lot about <laughs> it, <laughs> and like you finally picked it up and and ran with it, and I appreciate. Oh, you of course, no, I've wanted you to do it for a while. I've, I've, it's uh, fun. I, I love sitting here listening to to the stories that come through and. I'm glad to be a part of the tapestry, man. I feel like this has now become like a telethon. It's, like, now it's kind of like well, a okay, behind. Folks, this, is like, <laughs> this is like uh, overtime when Bill Maher, like the show ends and then he does yeah. like 15 minutes on the internet. That's kind of, but we're already yeah. on the internet, so we could just keep talking. Uh, so if you like what we're talking about, <laughs> you could send $14 and get a hardware hat signed by Matt Belknap. <laughs> uh, well, oh, thank you for doing it. Sure. All right, folks, so that's Whale Cave for today. I really appreciate you guys listening. I know I said earlier about the schedule. It's been a little tough, but I, I'm going to keep it uh, at least at a monthly. If, if I can do more, I'll do more, but I really appreciate you hanging in there. I also appreciate Ed Salazar being here. Matt Belknap coming on this side of the mic. I love it. This is The Passenger by Iggy Pop. Thanks for being a passenger on Whale Cave, huh? You see what I did there? All right, shout out to the Corner Crew and Collective Soul. I'm out. I am a passenger.